More than 700,000. How do you make such a large number of deaths make sense? From September 17th to October 3rd, the National Mall was covered in an ever-increasing number of white flags. Each one representing an American life lost to COVID-19. As of Sunday, that number sat at over 700,000. The installation, titled In America Remember, was the brainchild of artist Suzanne Brennan Furstenberg. She wanted to give each person who died their dignity, even as their lives were often reduced to a single staggering death toll. It is one thing to see an entire field of white flags, but when one is walking through this art installation and looks down at one flag that is dedicated, seeing a name, seeing some information, whether it's a 15-year-old or it was a person who was a World War II veteran, it triggers empathy. It triggers an understanding that each flag here represents a concentric circle of grief. First the family, the friends, neighbors, the co-workers, people in the faith community, and that's just one flag. And then you look up and you see 695,000 plus flags. That's a lot of grief. America is hurting. The memorial also has a message. Furstenberg wanted to show what could have happened if the United States had reacted differently. Approaching this art from the corner of 15th and Constitution, you get to see two arrays of white flags in front of this massive sign I have. The massive sign is 34 feet by 14 feet high, and it says, In America, Remember. And then in the corner, it has the cumulative death toll, and that's a number that I change each day. In front of this sign, I have two arrays of white flags. One has 27 flags in it, and the other has 1,809. I had to put this art into context. The array of 27 flags represents the cumulative death toll in New Zealand. They have a population of 5 million, and they've only had 27 deaths. They had terrific leadership from the beginning of the pandemic. They had strong testing protocol, quarantining protocol, and contact tracing. And then they had social cohesion. And that allowed them to really minimize their death toll. So what I needed to do was show Americans what our death toll would have been if we had had the success of New Zealand. And so here in front of the sign, you see just 2,000 white flags planted in an array. But when you walk around the sign, you see 690,000 plus flags. And I just had to do that so that people would understand that we can't let this happen again. We just can't. We've got to figure this out. Spread out over 20 acres, the installation is quiet, much like you'd expect a memorial service to be. But the one consistent noise is the breeze fluttering through hundreds of thousands of flags. Furstenberg chose her symbol for lost human life with intention. As an artist, I needed to find something that I could afford to buy in quantity. And yet it had to be something with enough presence to really honor a human life. So that was really tough. But flags are a beautiful tool to use. White flags, in particular, have an essence about them. Singularly, they are angelic. They represent purity and innocence. Taken as a whole, this kind of looks like a flag of surrender. A flag of surrender across the National Mall.
And when I interpret it like that, I think of it as a flag of surrender. Like, we Americans are tired of loss. We're tired of division. And we need to find a better way forward. Many flags have notes written in Sharpie. Quote, loving mother, beloved grandma, cherished friend, excellent cook, amazing seamstress. Some have small offerings left behind. A stuffed chipmunk plushie at one, a blue beaded bracelet wrapped around another. Looking across the mall, the flags are reminiscent of tombstones, like those at Arlington National Cemetery. I designed it so that it would echo Arlington. There at Arlington, we bury those who have kept us safe and who continue to keep us safe. And here, we are honoring those who we were unable to keep safe. So look out at this big field of white flags. Think about this. Each flag, imagine all the healthcare professionals who fought valiantly to save that person. The healthcare professionals, the medical support people, and then lift your gaze. Like, the first thing that comes to my mind is how in the world could we have any healthcare system left? Two weeks ago, almost two weeks ago, I met a doctor, a pulmonologist from Denver. He came here and realized that this art installation was here, and so he came down to it. His wife had died in May, and his mother had died in June. And he said to me, Suzanne, I had to just put on my doctor face and go back in there and save lives. He never had a chance to to reckon with his own grief. He came here, he saw these flags, and he broke down in tears. And he knew that it was somewhere deep inside, but the art allowed him to find it. It's a safe place for people. This is reflective of an enormous amount of grief that people are just living with day to day. These are losses that have happened in isolation, and these are losses that have not been publicly acknowledged or publicly grieved oftentimes. And so this gives people a space and a chance to do that. Jessica Balthazar visited the installation on the last Thursday it was open. An ICU nurse and a doctoral student at Georgetown University She worked through the beginning of the pandemic in Queens, New York. She's still processing the grief from her experiences, including from being the only one in attendance when many patients died. I think one of the biggest things that I have trouble with as a nurse that saw it all and and worked in it is the fact that I alone witnessed these deaths and it was just me there. You know, it was, yes, I had my phone and I would hold it up in front of them so that their families could say goodbye and the iPad and whatever, but it was really just me. It it was a lot to experience alone. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, I carried a mother to her son's bedside so she could say goodbye to him, and he was in his 30s. You know, his 17-year-old son had to say goodbye to his father, the same, same guy. And, you know, a couple minutes later, we didn't know that visitors were allowed to come at the end of life. And We had wrapped the patient's body in a body bag as we normally do and the manager comes running up and goes, take him out of the bag. There's another kid, there's another son who wants to see him. And so we take him out of the bag and put a blanket over him, you know, just up to his neck. And this kid said to us, can I hold my dad's hand? 
but his hands were tied underneath the blanket because when you wrap a body, you tie the hands together and you tie the ankles together. It was like stories like that, that I'm like, that's the only way I know how to tell you how bad this is or to tell you what I'm seeing in, in a way that you'll understand um, from a non-nursing perspective, a non-medical perspective. Balthasar's family and friends believed her experiences, but things changed after the coronavirus got political. Then the narrative changed, and when it became political, it was, wait a minute, Jess, this is a hoax. You know, this is all a hoax. We don't have to wear masks. We don't have to socially distance. We can still have parties. Why are we all virtual for everything? And I was like, wait a minute, I just told you all of, I just told you how awful this was, and all of those things were happening. When that narrative shifted and I saw that, I don't, I don't even know what I felt at the moment, but it was like, wait a minute, what you're, you're telling me is that the things that I'm seeing, the things that I'm doing at work and what I'm witnessing is not real, that that doesn't feel right to me and it makes me feel crazy. Like, am I the only one seeing this and the only one recognizing how bad this is, like me and, and my friends at work? Medical professionals were isolated by people's disregard for coronavirus safety measures. Deaths happened in isolation, and families mourned in isolation. With her work, Furstenberg wants loved ones to know they're not mourning alone. Balthazar feels that. Seeing this, I saw it and I said, wow, I wasn't crazy. This is real. This was real. Like, this was... 695,000 times real. Even more than that, like all of these flags represent not just one single person, it's a family and friends, like millions. This is millions of lives affected. There is no way this is not real. And seeing this and this location just right across from the White House, right in front of these beautiful national monuments and at this beautiful park, so well known, right in front of everybody's face, here it is, this is how real it is, this is how awful it was, you know, like, it was awful. Just to come here and to memorialize these lives. Our former president didn't acknowledge any of this, you know, none of this was memorialized or honored, and then our current president comes in and immediately honors them and immediately memorializes them. And I I watched that on TV. I wasn't in D.C. at the time, and I was like, it's about time, you know, and I felt a lot of things watching that. And then I found out about this, and I came. It feels like I'm paying my respects to these people that some of which I took care of, all of which deserved a proper memorial and honoring. And, I mean, a lot of these people didn't have funerals because we couldn't. No funerals, no wakes, no nothing. There is nothing for these people in the beginning. The experience for Balthazar has been cathartic. Coming here felt like, it felt very healing, to be honest with you. And I said that earlier today, and I said it last night. It felt like, finally, we get to honor these people, and we get to memorialize them, and like, you didn't die for nothing, you know? Like, we have a vaccine now, like, other people don't need to die. Um, Unnecessarily, uh, prematurely, awfully it's an awful death seeing it over and over it's not the comfort of you know being at home on hospice it's not the comfort of even having your family there surrounding you in the hospital it's it's beyond inhumane 
I mean, we were there. I was there. You know, as as nurses, we were there. But um, coming here and just acknowledging it publicly, openly, and beautifully, this is, it's just gorgeous. I was walking and you could just hear, there was like a big gust of wind and you could hear this ripple of the flags. And I was just like, it almost feels like, like a ripple of their souls. And I felt that. And just seeing all of this, and like there's letters written on so many of these flags, I keep wondering if I'm gonna recognize somebody's name. Like the people that I, I took care of, I hope that they know that, um, I hope they know I tried, you know? I tried as hard as I could, and I hope they know that everybody that took care of them tried as hard as they could to help keep them here and um, to help make them comfortable and to help them to help them not feel so alone when they died um, because I think dying alone is very uh, I think it's one of the saddest things I've ever seen As of Monday morning, October 4th the United States coronavirus death toll was at 701,000 people Educators who want to include the installation when teaching about COVID-19 can find lesson plans and instructional resources at American University's website. A final gathering was held Sunday night at the base of the Washington Monument. Attendees read messages from personalized flags. The United States Army Brass Quintet played alongside singer Roz White. As the installation concludes, a last message from Furstenberg, quote, please don't make me or the next artist do this again. I don't want to plant any more flags. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Laura Spitalniak. And me, Luke Garrett. Our cover art was created by cartoonist Audrey Garrett, and our music this episode is courtesy of Albus. Join us next Monday as the world recovers.